happens when a Greek muse helps an artist and his old clarinet-playing friend open a roller disco in L.A.? Find out on this episode of Twice Upon a Time in Hollywood. Welcome to Choice Upon a Time in Hollywood, where me and my dad watch his favorite movies from a modern kid's perspective as well as a grown-up's perspective. Yeah, we take a look at uh, movies that I liked when I was younger, and I thought Bailey might either like or might think it is a little strange. Uh, and This is like a... yeah. We can, uh, so what film are we uh, looking at tonight? Uh, we're looking at Xanadu, which is definitely not your favorite film. Not my favorite film at all. But we're still talking about it. Open your eyes and hear the magic. Universal Pictures announces the most dazzling romantic musical fantasy in years. Xanadu. Starring Olivia Newton-John. Michael Beck and Gene Kelly. Xanadu. It's a love story about a boy and girl from two very different worlds whom no one can keep apart. It's a spectacular entertainment that will transport you beyond your dreams. Where time stops and the magic never ends. Xanadu. The music's great. The music's great, but like, not the best effects. Um, so what is uh, Xanadu about? Well, it's about an artist who lives in L.A. He painted a mural um, with... Me- Greek muses on them, the Greek muses on them, which are like goddesses mm-hmm. that inspire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day, for the daughters reason, of Zeus, right? Yeah, the daughters of Zeus. Um, and one day, well, they're not all the daughters of Zeus, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Only um, the main characters. Like, anyways. Okay. Um, so the Greek muses are goddesses who inspire people. They come to life and. Um, one of them, who's actual... And they, they inspire different creative avenues. Like, there's a goddess who inspires comedy, inspires drama, inspires music, inspires dance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and then there's one character named Terpishor. <laughs> Terpsichore. Terpsichore. Um, uh, and she... Um, but in this movie, she says that, says that her name is Kira. and At she, one point, she starts to say her name. She starts to say yeah. her name, uh, which I have preview about. Sonny, there's something I have to tell you about myself. I know all I need to know. No, I have to tell you. All I was sent to do was to make Xanadu happen. I'm amused. I'm glad somebody's having a good time. Oh, please don't make a joke. I'm serious. I come from Mount Helicon. I'm the daughter of Zeus. I have eight sisters. My real name is Ter... 
And her and somebody named Sunny fall in love. And it's the story of them and uh, Sunny's friend named Danny McGuire. Uh, they open a roller disco together called Xanadu, which is the name of the movie. Partner, why don't we land the place? What the hell are calling? In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dog decree. Where Alf, the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down, down to, to a sunless sea. sea. Yes, Xanadu. So the film came out uh, August 8th, 1980. Mm-hmm. And at that time, one of the things that people were really into was roller disco. Um, it was a fad. There was a roller rink in my hometown. We would go and they'd play rock music or disco and you'd roll around in a circle and then hang out, meet girls. Yeah. And, and there were a few movies that came out around the same time that were about roller disco. There was Roller Boogie with Linda Blair. The beginning of Can't Stop the Music actually has Steve Gutenberg. Uh, rolling around Times Square in very short shorts, wearing roller skates. Um, but it wasn't a fad that stayed. And it makes this movie very dated. But, you know, talking about the plot, at the beginning, the the, the muses are on a mural in, in Ven- on Venice Beach, right? Yeah. And they come alive. Olivia Newton-John is one of them. For some reason, she has roller skates and rolls down Venice Beach, sees Sunny, gives him a kiss, and then rolls away. (laughs) Which is weird. If she was, like, a regular person, I would be very confused. If I was, like, walking just around wherever that happened, I'd be like, do they know each other? Yeah, and, and if I knew they didn't, I'd be like, "She's weird." Look, I wouldn't mind if Olivia Newton-John wanted to give me a kiss because she's very cute. But um, he takes album covers and paints large versions of them to hang up in record stores. He's an artist. In any normal story, a muse would help him with his art, but instead. She inspires him to open up a roller disco. Which wasn't even his idea. He, She just inspires him to do what his friend's going to do. <laughs> yeah. You paint beautifully. This is the first time I've cared about what I painted in a long time. That's a shame. It must be frustrating to waste your talents on things that don't really matter to you. Yeah. I met a guy the other day. He's got this crazy idea he wants to build a club. And he asked me if I'd help find a place. That's such a crazy idea. You've got a good eye. That's what he said. So he meets he meets this guy on the beach who's playing a clarinet. This old guy, played by Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly, and, woohoo. Woohoo. Um, and the two of them become friends, and it turns out that Gene Kelly back in the nineteen forties was like also met Olivia Newton John in the nineteen forties. It's a weird thing and they at one point, they kind of realized, oh, we knew each other way back when, but we'll get to that part. So what were your general views on the movie? You've seen Olivia Newton-John before, right? Yeah, I've seen her in Greece and other movies that I don't remember the name of, but I've seen her in like maybe like one other movie. I don't know which one, though. Mm-hmm. So. 
And tell me about Grease. Grease is a movie that takes place in the 50s? Yeah. Okay, 50s? Late 50s. I Late think just 50s. turning into 1960, I think. Um, and it's about... Two people in high school who fell, who fell in love during the summer, but she was, like, she wasn't very cool, Olivia Newton-John's character, and John Travolta's character, the other main character, is, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm being all cool, even though this <laughs> lady isn't cool, um, I'm still cool, you guys, so... And that was and that was a huge hit. That was, was the yeah. It was really the biggest uh, the biggest money making film of that year yeah. when it came out. Um, we haven't introduced ourselves. Oh yeah. Huh. Uh, I am Paul. <laughs> I just got a text. Sorry. Um, my name is Paul. I'm Bailey's dad. I'm Bailey, and I'm nine years old. And she's Bailey's daughter. I mean, daddy's daughter. <laughs> I'm my own daughter. I'm my own daughter. And uh, I, I was a big movie fan when I was a little kid, and, and you still are. And I still am. That's what the podcast about. And Bailey has just grown up, being introduced to a lot of interesting movies, and she makes her own movies. And we thought this might be an interesting idea for a podcast to discuss the generational difference. Uh, in the appreciation appreciation of certain movies. So let me give you a few facts about Xanadu. Can I do that? Yeah, and then we can do trivia. Yeah, so the film came out August 8th, 1980, and it was not a big success at all. Uh, this was supposed to be Olivia Newton-John's first starring movie where she was the top, top line star, and it was a bomb, and it kind of killed her movie career. But that was an amazing summer for movies. Can't Stop the Music had come out about a month and a half earlier. That was a total bomb. It was a Village People musical. Um, but it was, a, it, was a, it was an amazing summer. Some of the, my favorite comedies came out that year. Uh, within a month of Xanadu, we had the Blues Brothers, Airplane, Caddyshack, Used Cars, which is a film that I really love. And there was also a Chevy Chase movie that had come out. There was a Cheech and Chong movie that had come out. And I think by the time Xanadu came out, a lot of people were seeing these other movies. Empire Strikes Back was still in theaters. So yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a huge success. <laughs> uh, top films of that year were Empire Strikes Back, Nine to Five, Stir Crazy, Airplane, Any Which Way You Can with Clint Eastwood. Private Benjamin, Coal Miner's Daughter, Smokey and the Bandit 2, The Blue Lagoon, and The Blues Brothers. To the blue. Two of the blues. Yeah. Movies. <laughs> two, blue, two blues movies. So what was your impression of the movie? What? Uh, well, uh, I think... Generally what happens think, in the movie and, and what, do you, what do you think of it? Um... I thought it was, like, I think, I guess what I think is that everybody in it put a lot of work into it, mm -hmm. but it just, it just can, there's no way that you could make it that would make it better. Um, if it was, like, changed a little bit, then I think it would have been better. 
In what way? Like if, um, like if she helped him with his art instead of with the Wooly Disco. <laughs> right. Um, Which he had no interest in. Yeah. Every once in a while, he would have roller skates, and they would come out of nowhere. Um. Yeah. It w- and and so basically, what happens in the story is. He sees this girl, he thinks she's cute. He meets Gene Kelly on a beach, because he's there playing a clarinet. <laughs> and he keeps seeing Olivia Newton-John pop up in different places. Um, and she convinces him to follow the dream that he's never had. Yeah. Open up a roller disco. Which wasn't even his idea. Wasn't even his idea. But... He convinces Gene Kelly, who's super rich because he was a jazz mu- musician in the 40s. Um, Still has a lot of money lives from, in a, like, 40 years ago. He wasn't even, like, the star. He was always, like, just in a band. But he was, like, he now he lives in this mansion. Yeah. Makes no sense. And there's one room that only has, like, five pieces of furniture in it. But it's, like, a big ballroom. Yeah. And then, for some reason, in that same scene, there's suddenly no furniture because he's in a weird dimension now with Olivia Newton-John, and they're dancing. He flashes back to dancing with Olivia Newton-John, but it's still taking place in this room and all that stuff. And except now there's no furniture. Now there's no furniture, right. Um, So then, uh, Sonny, is that the the guy's name? Yeah. Sonny takes Danny to look at this building, and he's like, wouldn't it be great to open up a roller disco? And Danny's like, well, I'd like it to be like a big band place. And he's like, no, it could be a great place for rock and roll. And then they do this amazingly stupid number. (laughs) Where there are two songs playing at the same time, but also at different times. One is like a really... It's like a heavy metal song that has like no words in the whole thing. Donna, 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 Donna. <laughs> yeah, and also there's a 40s song with people who are like lots of the people that are in it aren't even dressed like they're in the 40s. And um, at the end, both sets somehow slide towards each other. Slide towards each other and become one set, and the rockers are playing. Music along with the 1940s yeah, and, singers. And also, like, there's there are these two couples. There's one on each band, and then they go next to each other, and one person from the 40s and one person from the 1980, they, like, they become a couple now. I didn't even notice so we, that. Yeah, that was just, like, a random thing that was in it. Oh, so, wow. like, suddenly it was, like, really weird because they were right next to each other the whole time, but then they just slide, slide toward each other, and they're like, hey, you're cool, like, two seconds after yeah. they see each other. One uh, one little thing about, about the film, and it's interesting that Gene Kelly's in it, uh... Rita Hayworth in the 1940s made a film where she was basically the Olivia Newton-John character and she comes down and helps this guy open up a Broadway show. Um, 
That movie was called uh, Down to Earth. Rita Hayworth made a different film called uh, Cover Girl, where she co-starred with Gene Kelly. And Gene Kelly's character's name in that movie was Danny McGuire, and he was a clarinet player in a band. And he's playing the same character in Xanadu, which is... I need some fixing up. I think it could look terrific. So good the Titanic. Kid, you don't need a builder. You need a demolition team. Look, I know it's a wreck now, but I can see it come to life again. Just check it out, Danny. That's all I'm asking. Well, what put you onto this? A girl. Oh, that explains everything. What have you learned about uh, the making of the film? Well, it's trivia time, everybody. So, so Andy Gibb was originally cast to play the main character. Who's Andy Gibb? Uh, he's the BG's other brother, who is his own like music musician. He was a solo artist. Solo artist. So Andy Gibb was originally. T- cast to play the main character, Sonny, but Michael Beck got the role instead. Another movie that Michael Beck was in uh, is a movie called The The Warriors. And you've met Michael Beck. Yeah. We uh, took pictures with Michael Beck and some of the Warriors cast mm-hmm. about a year ago. Um, so after Olivia Newton-John's character... Uh, shows Sunny that she is one of the muses. Uh, she begins to say, "My real name is Terp," but Sunny, uh, like, quiets her, and she never like says her real name. Uh, she's there to um, uh, assist him in opening a uh, dance club, and she's like, of course, a dancer. Uh, so her name is probably uh, Terpsichore. Yeah. Um, that was uh, the goddess of dance. Yeah, after the Greek muse of dance. Why do you think they that he cut her off so she wouldn't say her name? It was a weird choice. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Um, but in this... I have another question. Okay. <laughs> At the beginning. Yeah. He's got this boss that he doesn't like, mm-hmm. and um, and he's telling everybody that he's going to go in and tell him that it's Tuesday, not Wednesday. <laughs> Just paint what you're told to paint. If you start making changes, then other people start making changes, and before you know it, you've got a lot of people running around doing what they want to do. That's not a company. That's chaos. Tuesday's Wednesday. How does that make sense? I don't know what he was talking about. It didn't make any sense. I've watched it now a couple of times. And when he's leaving the office and he's giving, like, the final insult to the boss. He says, it's Tuesday, not Wednesday. And you're like, what does that mean? And the boss looks at him like, oh, you got me. But he didn't. Um, Makes no sense. But in the stage... Uh, production of the movie, she was Cleo, the muse of history. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, they made they, they did they did a Broadway show of this, right? Yeah, which was supposedly really good. Um, 
Also, Gene Kelly was in another movie called Cover Girl about a muse where he played a character with the same name as Indiana do. Um, uh, Gene Kelly, uh, let's talk a little bit about him. Because he was really the uh, the big musical star yeah. in the movie. Um, what are some films that he's done? He's been in Singing in the Rain, yeah, um, which is a movie about three friends, uh, two boys and one girl, and he works in movies. And this is this takes place when a uh, sound was just coming out, although it was made in like when was it made? Nineteen uh, fifties, early nineteen fifties, late nineteen forties. Um, uh, but yeah. It's really good. Yeah, and uh, you're making me yawn. <laughs> um, he was, along with Fred Astaire, one of the great dancers of movie history. And Fred Astaire was more graceful. Gene Kelly was, like, more athletic. Mm. Uh, and Gene Kelly also became a director. Mm. One film he directed, some kids may know some scenes from. Uh, he directed the movie Hello, Dolly, which included a song uh, that was used in WALL-E. Oh, yeah. You know the song that he keeps yeah. listening to? But, yeah, he, uh, he, was, he was a decent actor. He, done, he did some movies where he wasn't dancing. Decent actor, great smile, very athletic, very handsome. Fred Astaire was very goofy-looking but was very graceful and had a great sense of humor. Um. But yeah, that's Gene Kelly, and and this was his last uh, film acting role. Uh, yeah. Um. So Olivia Newton-John says that the script was written during filming. Like they didn't have a finished script, so they were just rewriting all the time. No. Um. They were still writing the script while they were filming. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Yeah. yeah. The choreography in the Gene Kelly choreographed uh, Whenever You're Away From Me is nearly identical to the choreography in the title number from For Me and My Gal in 1942 uh, that uh, starred uh, Gene Kelly uh, and Judy Garland. Really? Yes. Nearly identical. That's amazing. I had no idea. According to the special features on a recently uh, like produced DVD, the animation sequence was added because the filmmakers uh, had to include an extra song written for the movie, um, and having an animation made for the song was a lot easier than uh, trying to make it fit into the movie. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about some of these scenes in the movie. Um, things kind of come out of nowhere. What's this? Shh, we gotta be quiet. Oh, we were going skating. I want to show you the special studio first. Only the biggest groups get to record. It's really kind of magic. Hmm. Yeah, they flash all sorts of pictures on screens. Really? Can we see it? Straight ahead. <laughs> But pictures in a recording studio? Why? 
<laughs> for inspiration. Ah, oh, inspiration. Sounds perfect. This guy works at a place where they paint advertisements for stores. And his boss, for some reason, has this futuristic oh, yeah. device in this big warehouse that when you turn it on, it's basically like a huge hologram. Except holog- the place is real and suddenly like a bunch of sets come down and they're roller skating on this weird, on like, one of them is like on, for some reason, it's on top of a building for some reason and then there's a part that's like in in like a desert and an oasis in the desert yeah they're in like a desert and then like it's in the rain and they're on a park bench (laughs) and they have umbrellas all of a sudden yeah and for some reason his umbrella just starts like floating down from the sky like mary poppins and it it makes no sense like like I could see if it was supposed to be a fantasy sequence and they leave and then you wonder, you're left to wonder, like, I wonder if that really happened. But instead, they ended with the boss catching him. And be like, hey, get out of here, Hey, child. get out of here. And he shuts off his huge multi-million dollar. This is a guy who just owns an advertising company. Yeah. How did he get that much money? He only has, like, five painters. <laughs> five painters who... Just, like, paint giant record covers. (laughs) I feel like they could have, like, just enlarged the picture. Well, I think I seem to remember back in the day when I would go to Tower Records. (laughs) Go to Tower Records or Virgin Megastore or whatever, and there would be these huge advertisements on the wall. They were just big record covers. Um... And I guess someone painted them, I guess. I wonder where those all are now. They must exist someplace. Um, um, what, uh, so the effects, let's talk about the effects. Um, what did you think of the effects? Like you've grown up with like CGI and all that stuff. Hmm. Well, I think a way to show what I think about the effects is the scene where he runs into, like, literally inside of a wall. Yeah, explain what happens in this scene. And there are... What leads up to this scene? So, he's, like, uh, Kira, the, um, Olivia Newton-John's character, she, like, goes away for some reason, I forget why, but then, um... He's like, oh, wait, she came from this mural. I just thought about this. How did he know she was in the mural? Because he walked up to it and said, oh, this abstract painting of a woman on the wall kind of looks like the woman who was roller skating. And then he went, (laughs) like, like a few, like... The scene goes on forever where he's just staring at the wall trying to figure it out, which... And then he goes really far away and then roller skates into the wall. As fast as he can. Inside he just, of the wall. He crashes into the wall. But he's on the inside of the wall now. And there's a neon floor and weird stars above them. And only Olivia Newton-John is there for some reason. The other muses aren't there. So he's now like... on Inside like, of the wall. He's inside a wall in Venice Beach. But it's also like... 
Mount Olympus, where like Zeus and stuff is, yeah. except it doesn't look like Mount Olymp- Olympus. It looks like the floor in Saturday Night Fever. It's just lights on the floor, and it's complete darkness all around them. And um, she's he's talking to Olivia Newton-John and Zeus and his wife. But Zeus and his wife aren't on screen. It's just yeah, their voice. Yeah, it's just their voices. And and it's like it's like a teenage movie where Zeus is like, you can't be with this boy. He's a mortal. And then and then the mom's like, oh, let her be with the boy. <laughs> <laughs> if she really loves him, then she should go. That's so ridiculous. And then he he's trying to convince. Zeus to like let them be in love in the real world and then Olivia Newton-John's like can't I just for one night just go out she wants to go to the roller disco for one night <laughs> she's she's the goddess, a goddess. Of, the goddess of, of dance and this, and this is all inside of a wall <laughs> it's all inside a wall in Venice Beach but he doesn't like crash out of the wall to leave yeah he just gets swallowed up by some light and disappears. Yeah. Oh, and also while she's singing this song about how she wants to be with him for one night, she's glowing, but only the outside of her and also her shadow is glowing too. Yeah, it's weird. Like everything is outlined <laughs> yeah, in this glowing effect, but the whole body's not glowing. It's just like the outside. They, they cut her out and then made the outside of her glow. And her shadow. Has a glow around it, which makes zero sense. Yeah. It's not like her shadow, like, is being affected by a glow. It's her shadow is like a solid thing. Yeah. That has a glow around it. It's so ridiculous. And you can see, like, some of the lights on the floor. You can see through their bodies to the lights on the floor. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. Um, some of the green screen, you can. You know, you can see where they're cut out, and the green screen is behind them. Um, so I guess that that just shows what I think about the effect. Yeah, it was very disco. I think they were going for like a real disco neon look, and it just doesn't work. I don't, and I don't think it worked back then. I think people back then might have thought it was ridiculous looking. Okay, so. The Pan Pacific Auditorium on Beverly Boulevard in Hollywood near CBS Television City was used for exterior shots of the Xanadu Club. It was built in 1935 um, and destroyed by a fire in 1989. A community center now sits on the site featuring a single version of the Pan Pacific's uh, four curved Art Deco spires. Disney California Adventure also has the same design at the entrance. Yeah, it's a very cool Art Deco building. And I came to Los Angeles in 1989, I guess right after, or uh, 1990. It was pretty soon after it burned down, so I never actually got to see it. Um, but I know that area because the Pacific Grove is right near there, and... Uh, there used to be a racetrack right where that is. Um, but it was a very cool building. Very cool. Okay. This part is also about, uh, it's about 
um, the scene with the dance number with Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John. Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John's dance number was filmed after filming had finished, and Gene Kelly choreographed it. His con- his like the way that it was made. It included a closed stage with only him, Newton John, a cameraman, a choreographer he he's friends with, and two other people. Wow. Uh, since fantasy is the movie's main theme, certain. Wait, what does that mean? Certain what? Mats. Um, certain mats, including mats are like yeah, mat paintings. You yeah. know, yeah. Since fantasy is the movie's main theme, certain mats, including uh, some time lapse. Uh, cloud effects matted over one muse's departure along the highway and another matted above Gene Kelly as he sits on a beach playing a clarinet don't look 100% realistic. This was intentional, done with the hope that the sequences look mythical and unreal rather than phony. <laughs> they look phony instead. <laughs> they look ridiculous. Uh, Gene Kelly took the part of Danny McGuire because filming was a short drive from his Beverly Hills home. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, Olympic star Peggy Fleming helped plan the skating scenes. Wow. Um, the film was meant to launch Olivia Newton-John's career as a solo star. Solo star, not a sun star. Um, uh, due to uh, its complete failure at the American box office, it became the one and only time she received top billing without a co-star in a theatrical release. You know, it's interesting that they say that it it was a complete and total failure. The budget was twenty two million, and it made twenty million. So. It didn't make its money back, but it wasn't like it made nothing. Yeah. It almost broke even. But I think they, because Grease was such a huge hit, they were expecting that to become a hit. This one is very interesting. Uh, it makes you think, like, it makes you believe that uh, this movie, that Olivia Newton-John... Uh, if she had taken another path, which she almost did in this next trivia thing, if she had taken another path, her Olivia, her like film career would have died completely. Olivia Newton-John turned down a role in Can't Stop the Music to star in this movie. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and John Travolta turned turned down the role of Sonny Malone. Wow. Olivia Newton-John met Matt Lattanzi, who had a minor role during filming. Uh, afterward, uh, Lattanzi accompanied her to Australia on a promotional visit for the film and met her parents. Uh, Lattanzi and John married in 1984, had one child, Chloe Lattanzi, and divorced in 1995. What's interesting about Matt Latanzi in Xanadu is he's got some close-ups. He's wearing a red jacket, and he looks a lot. 
in that movie, like a young John Travolta. Um, and uh, he didn't have much of a career. He was, he starred in a film that like a lot of boys like, a lot of teenage boys liked, called My Tudor, where he falls in love with this older woman. Um, and it was kind of sexy. Um, and then he didn't have much of a career, but he does appear in one of one of our favorite uh, comedies, Roxanne. He's one of the firefighters in the movie Roxanne. You know, Steve Martin with the big nose? Oh, yeah. He's one of the firefighters. And it's weird because... You know, in, in Roxanne, a handsome firefighter comes in um, and falls in love with Daryl Hannah. But Malatanji's a very handsome guy, and it's kind of funny that he's just in the background as one of the firefighters, and he's a lot more handsome than the handsome guy that came in. Um, it famously got the one-sentence review, in a word, Xanadon't. <laughs> Uh, because the film is uh, is an earthbound fantasy, many of the elaborate matting effect, effects had to be worked into naturalistic settings and street scenes. For example, one used exits as a live-action tapered streak from within the metal superstructure of a large building. Robert Greenwald said the film's effects were much harder than his effects in space. What does that mean? I don't understand that trivia. It affects in space? Yeah. What do you mean? That's what it says. Where? I have no idea. I don't know what that means. Anyways, if you get what that means, then great. Anyway. Um, and, uh... So, but let's, let's not just, I don't want to just read yeah. stuff from Wikipedia and IMDb and stuff. I want to talk about the movie and, yeah. and your, your opinions of it and stuff. Because anybody can read that stuff on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, what was your, what do you, what was your favorite scene in the movie? What were the good things about the movie? Every movie, even the worst movie, has something good about it. That's what I have always believed. Um, the soundtrack is really good. Yeah? Yeah, it's really good. Who does the soundtrack? ELO and Olivia Newton-John. ELO stands for Electric Light Orchestra. Um, it's a really good band. So pretty much what it is is they make rock music that's really good, but it's an orchestra that plays it, which is an... You would think it's... It's like, like an electric a, orchestra. Yeah, it's an yeah. electric orchestra. Um... Uh, you would think that that's, like, a bad idea, but they're actually, like, really good. What are some songs that, uh, you know? You know? Um, there's, uh, a song called Telephone Line. Yeah. There's a song called, uh, All Over the World, which was in this movie. Yeah. Um, when they're at the store and all these mannequins come alive. You can tell that they're real people. Uh, while they're walking around the store, because you can see they're kind of moving a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
living thing. Living thing. Don't bring me down. Evil woman. Evil woman. Turn to stone. Um, and what is the song that it shows up in a lot of trailers and a lot of movies? But it's become like one of their most popular songs now. Mr. Blue Sky. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Let's see. And they, uh, you know, Saturday Night Fever had been a big hit for the Bee Gees. And this was going to be like ELO's version of the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Um, um, and it's, but, you know, the movie bombed, but the, the soundtrack album was a huge hit. One of the biggest selling albums of the year had five hit singles from it. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the mural in the film was created in post-production. A digital image was superimposed over a shop in an alleyway on Dudley Avenue and Oceanfront Walk in Santa Monica, California. Oh my. Uh, one thing about the movie that relates to you and me, uh, Gene Kelly, uh, he was in Sand in the Rain, which is directed by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly. Stanley Donnan was married, got divorced, and that woman that he divorced uh, became Gene Kelly's assistant choreographer on some of his films. And then Gene Kelly got divorced and married the assistant choreographer, whose name was Jean Coyne. Wow. And her... Her last name is Coyne. Her last name is Coyne, and her grandparents were both named Coyne. They both had the same last name, Coyne. So she's like a, like a big Coyne person from Ireland. Comes from Ireland. And we're Coynes, too. Yep, from Ireland. So it's bath time. Um, let's talk. Can I just say like one more thing? Yeah. Uh, Michael Beck didn't have to audition for the lead in this movie. No. He didn't have to audition. It's interesting. He looks a lot like Andy Gibb in some of the shots. Um, and the Warriors, which had come out the year before, was a huge hit. His career never really took off. I think Xanadu killed his career too. Um, it's kind of sad. I mean, he was a good-looking guy. I wouldn't say he's a great actor, but he fit a certain type. Um, so let's talk about kids your age and this movie. Um, Wait, can I say two more things? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Michael Beck doesn't sing in this movie. He and Olivia and John skate dance to a recording of his song. Sung by her and Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard. Mm-hmm. Also, the word Xanadu is spoken 21 times in the last song. Wow. Oh, this is probably a big thing. We should probably mention Xanadu. The word Xanadu is from a Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem called Kubla Khan. And Xanadu was the name of the mansion that Kubla Khan built for himself. He was like a dictator. Um... And in film history, 
a lot of people know that Xanadu was the, the name of the home in Citizen Kane. That was the name of his castle that he built, uh, which was based on Hearst Castle, which we've been to up by Santa Barbara. Um, so let's talk about like kids and this movie. What uh, what do you think kids your age would think of this movie? Um. Well, I think kids would like this movie. Um, like, I think kids would be able to watch it and understand it. I'm not sure if they would like it, but I'm saying that they would understand it. Because I did, and I'm a kid. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying, like, whether they understand it or not. Is this a movie that you would recommend Um, to other kids? It's a musical. Yeah. It's not very good, but it's an interesting concept, and there's a lot of things that you learn from it. And sometimes it's watching a cheesy movie is kind of fun. Yeah. What movies that kids watch now are similar to uh, Xanadu? Anything you can think of? There's Hercules. The Disney movie? Yeah, the Disney movie. Why? Um, because it's also about Greek gods, and the muses are featured in it at one point. I don't know which part it is, but... Huh. Huh. There was a, uh, an Albert Brooks movie called The Muse, which was not about Greek gods, but it was about a woman that inspires a guy to become a better writer. Um, so, out of five stars, five being the best... What do you give Xanadu? And I'm going to say this in two ways. Good, fi- good film or enjoyable film. Because a film can be, like, the critics can love it, but you may watch it and be like, oh, yeah, I get why it's great, but I'm never going to watch it again. Um, so think... quality-wise, one to five, what do you think it is? Quality. What do you mean? Like, like quality? Like, like is it film that should win Best Picture? No, <laughs> it is not. So five being Best Picture quality, one being if I go to a video store and it's sitting on a shelf, I'm gonna. Do you know what a video store is? Yeah. Okay. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna rent it. So, um, quality, like, how good is it? I think it's maybe, like, a two or a three. Uh-huh. Because, like, it's fun to watch. And if I saw it at a video store, and if I had, like, a kid, I would get it so that me and my kid could watch it. And I'd say, like, this is a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, so you think it's enjoyable? Yeah, it's enjoyable, but it's not the best. Yeah. Um, I would def. Um, uh, soundtrack wise, it is a five. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. One of the best. Really, one of the best. Um, ELO did a couple of other soundtracks, songs for soundtracks, um, but this is really the one that. 
I mean, they, they had three hit songs off this album. And uh, Olivia Newton-John had two. She had Magic. And suddenly, suddenly, the wheels are in motion. You know that song? Yeah. And I made it take so the Raz- <laughs> So the Razzies. Uh, they were inspired by this movie and uh, Don't Stop the Music. These are the two movies that inspired the, the guy who started the Razzies to start the Razzies. Which was John Wilson. John Wilson. Um, Xanadu was nominated at the Razzies for Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Actress, Worst Screenplay, Worst Song, Suspended in Time, which doesn't have a melody. <laughs> and it won for Worst Director, Robert Greenwald who survived and actually went on to become a fairly decent director of uh, TV movies and documentaries. Um, And interestingly, he was nominated against Stanley Kubrick for The Shining, which everybody loves, I don't, and Brian De Palma for Dress to Kill, uh, which is a perfectly competently directed film. Um, Very Hitchcockian. Um, yeah, so, so the movie came out August 8th. Yeah, you, that's the third time you've addressed that. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm going back to something about the okay. date that it came out, which is why I'm mentioning it again. Uh, came out August 8th, 10 days after that, Gene Kelly probably saw like, oh, the movie bombed. I'm going to go do something else. He goes and does an episode of The Muppet Show. Um, starts filming 10 days after Xanadu comes out. It is the last episode of The Muppet Show ever made. And they knew that when they were making it. So a lot of what is being talked about in the episode is one of the characters thinks, after reading some tarot cards, that the end of the world is coming. And at the end of the episode, um, Gene Kelly says, oh no, you read those wrong it actually said something like your la- your laundry came back and it's it's not it it's still dirty. <laughs> um, and the guy who did the tarot cards, the puppet who did the tarot cards, says, "I think you're making that up. I think it is the end of the world." And then Kermit says, "It's not the end of the world, but it is the end of our show. Good night." And that was the end of the Muppet Show as a series, and. It's the end of this episode of A Choice Upon a Time in Hollywood. Thank you for listening. Xanadu is rated PG. It was rated uh, 24 by critics on Rotten Tomatoes and was rated 58 um, with the audience score. But as always, uh, watch it yourself, make up your own mind, and uh, find your own favorites. For listening, and we will be back with a better episode. Better one than before. Yeah. Okay. Bye.